are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. We are back with another filled, packed episode today. Um, sorry we took a week off. Uh, I don't know if you can hear. I have been battling the flu um, pretty bad, so kind of wasn't feeling right and, and just not in the right headspace, so we decided to take a week off. So I'm sorry if during this I sound a little bit different or uh, I, I get into a coughing attack and I have to drink <laughs> some water or something, but uh, we're getting over it. We're going to push through. We're gonna, uh, A lot going on today. A lot's happened in the baseball world um, in the past couple weeks. But uh, before we jump into that, how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's been a uh, been a long week. I'm you know getting ready for the holidays here, and uh, you know I've been uh, watching a lot of sports. Um, you know, watching football games and everything, and um, you know been uh, waiting to get to talk about some of this uh, some of this baseball news. We got we had a lot of news in the last couple of weeks compared to what we had had in the weeks before, and uh, I'm excited to get into some of it. We got you know some new GM hires, some new. Uh, some some players who have accepted deals and a lot of rumors in the last day. Really, it's, it hadn't really been too heavy until the last couple of days. So, oh, that's actually I just had some breaking news about another agency switch, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So I'm gonna throw that on here just because I just saw it um, right now. Uh, but we did have some uh, general managers being hired. Uh, the Angels and the Marlins have hired their general managers. I believe that only leaves the Phillies. And the Mets as not having general managers, is that right? I believe so. Um, I think the, I think I think that I think they're the only two. It, it's weird that they this far into free agency they wouldn't have hired one that by now though. In my right. Opinion. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Um, first off, we had the Angels signing Perry Manassian. I believe so. Yep. Um, you know more about him because he kind of came from the Braves and all that, so I'll let you go ahead and kind of exp- uh, explore more on him. Yeah, Perry Manassian was the uh, Braves' assistant general manager under Alex Anthopoulos. He had also worked under Alex Anthopoulos in uh, Toronto as a scout and then a uh, assistant GM. Uh, he's very well respected. He, he was, you know, pretty big part of what the Braves have done the last couple of years, bringing in guys, um, definitely has a good scouting background. He was a guy who signed Noah Syndergaard um, and uh, Marcus Stroman out of the draft and also signed Vlad Jr. as an international free agent. So he's uh, definitely done some good things um, in his, in his career. And I'm sure that the angels would love for him to bring some of that success with signing amateur talent to, to LA because uh, the Angels have really, um, you know, really struggled with with that fact faucet of, of things, especially with pitching. And obviously, Minotian has done pretty good with pitching in his uh, in his career. So, um, you know, I think it's a pretty good hire. I mean, you bring in a guy who's been in a successful organization and in different spots that have built good teams. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, I think it's a pretty good hire for the Angels. Yeah, it, it, hopefully he can turn around and get Mike Trout in the playoffs because. Man, does the baseball world need that? Absolutely. Such a fun player to watch. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and jump over to the next one. I think this is the one we both kind of want to spend a little bit more time on. Um, And that's Kim Ng um, becoming the first female and the first Asian-American general manager in the history of baseball. And I believe Um, believe she became the first female in all uh, of the big U.S. sports, sports. correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
she's been in the game a long time, so this is, isn't new to her. Um, she first started off as uh, an assistant GM uh, with the White Sox back in 1990 uh, through 1996, uh, and then she became an assistant GM with the Yankees from 1998 through 2001 when they won all those titles. Um, and then she actually came to L.A. under Ned Colletti's regime as an assistant GM from 1998 to 2011. Um, and then since 2011, she's been an assistant uh, under Joe Torre in the MLB operations uh, department. So she's been around the game for a long time. Uh, she's been known as a GM candidate for a long time. Uh, in this past couple years, her name has kind of flown under the radar. I think she interviewed for the Giants one a couple years ago. Um, but not many people had heard her name being circled about. Um, and then there was just kind of like a, an announcement like, oh, hey, the Marlins are going to uh, kind of name their their uh, new general manager tomorrow. And kind of out of nowhere, nobody even had any assumption, it popped up with Kim Ng. Um, so this is a fantastic thing for the game. Um, she's very, very intelligent. I've listened to a lot of her um, interviews from her time with LA through the pre uh, through the MLB operations department, and uh, just listen to kind of her view of that Marlins roster. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty fascinating to see how she's able to work around the league and and, and push that to be a contender. Because like we've talked about a lot, they're they're in a position prime to be a contender soon. Yeah, for sure. And um, like, you know, first things first, that, that really is a good thing for, for sports and for the game of baseball um, to, for that. She was the, the hire for the Marlins. And um, she's uh, obviously, like you said, extremely well respected. I think I read something the other day where she was also the first woman to ever uh, conduct an arbitration hearing in baseball. So uh, that's another thing to look at. It's, as you know, uh, Derek Jeter's the mainly going to be the one that controls a lot of the personnel decisions. But that's some of this stuff, the day-to-day -day and everything, it's going to be huge to have a, a really well-respected GM and, and control there. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm excited to see where, uh, where the Marlins go from here with, with Kim Ng. Yeah. And, and they've had Kim Ng and Derek Jeter have had a great uh, working relationship yep. when they were back there with those Yankees. Absolutely. Um, when those three titles and he, that's when he said, he said that they, they really first met there and they actually became very good working relationship between those two back then. Um, kind of just as Jeter being one of the faces of the Yankees going through front office decisions and stuff. So uh, just fascinating. We wanted to, uh, to really hit and, stress that importance of of how big this can be for the game of baseball because it if this pans out it can be groundbreaking for many many reasons absolutely and i'm i'm excited to see where where it goes and uh, she might end up being in a case where you know a lot of times you see somebody who steps into a gm position like like she has works for a few years if the marlins do well she might go you know be a president of baseball operations somewhere um where she controls uh, you know everything that has to be done in, in baseball so um, that would be uh, that would be pretty good. Absolutely. Heck, hire her for commissioner. I'm sure she could <laughs> she probably, uh, probably do better than Manfred. Yep. <laughs> um, so. Well, let's get to some uh, just segueing in from GMs being hired to some other GMs making some moves. Um, your Atlanta Braves actually went out and signed a pitcher. I know yep. you've been screaming for pitchers. Uh, well, they finally got you one. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be too excited about it, but <laughs> Drew Smiley was signed to the Atlanta Braves on a one-year, $11 million contract. Um, he, this year, he really spiked his spin rates up on his pitches, about 200 miles per hour on each. Um, 
scrapped his changeup and really became a fastball cutter, curveball type pitcher. But he had a lot of success with that. Um, so they're kind of betting on on him able to to recreate that again in a starting role as he was more kind of out of the bullpen this year. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting signing um, for the Braves. One year, $11 million, you'd expect that to be probably a, a number five starter or maybe a swingman type thing. Um, he um, is a guy that, like you said, he, he, he made some adjustments uh, in his pitch selection and, and in you know, his pitches themselves with a little bit of an increased spin rate. Um, he was a strikeout master this year, and, and he didn't pitch that many innings, only 26 and a third innings, but um, a lot of strikeouts. And that's something that, you know, you look to you look to be, um, you know, a big change for him. Uh, 42 strikeouts in 26 innings. And uh, this is a guy who's been a good pitcher in the past uh, when he was with the Rays in, in 2016, um, you know, put up two wins above replacement, uh, 2015 with the Rays, uh, you know, a 3.11 ERA in 66 innings, uh, was good for the Tigers before that as well. So this is a guy who has been a good pitcher in the past. Um, he's dealt with injury issues. He had his, I believe he had Tommy John and a shoulder problem, if I remember correctly. I'm not... I'm not 100% sure about that, but he, he had a lot of injury issues, uh, made a comeback last year, and you know his stuff played up a lot better this year, and uh, I think the Braves are willing to bring him on. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to, depending on what the Braves do going forward, we'll talk about some of those rumors a little bit later. Um, you know, we'll see. Maybe he's a five number five man. Maybe he's a guy who ends up being a swing man. Maybe he pitches out of the bullpen. They like his stuff playing up there. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with him. Yeah, he's a guy who, when he first came in with the Rays, like you said, he was thought of to be one of the next big guys coming up. Um, and then I think he got traded, was it to Texas? Um, and uh, really had some injury issues and then uh, kind of struggled to catch on ever since. But uh, it's definitely an interesting an interesting signing for the Braves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's, go, let's go ahead and jump over to, uh, we had a couple of the qualifying offer decisions finally come through. Um, and kind of as we've discussed before, Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gossman both accepted their qualifying offers from the Mets and the Giants, respectively. That will end up coming in at a one-year $18.3 million contract. Uh, we've, we've both talked that this was the expected move that each of those should have done. Um, Gossman wasn't going to see a payday like this in free agency for a one-year deal. And Stroman, after battling injuries this year, it kind of sets him up to get a decent payday, and then come back into the market next year when the market's kind of rejuvenalized, hopefully, um, and come off of a stronger season rather than an injury-filled season. Yeah, for sure. And for Gossman, um, this was a I mean, this was a no-brainer for Gossman. I think Stroman could have still gotten a pretty good deal in free agency, but um, you know, maybe he's betting, taking that one-year bet on himself like a lot of guys have done recently. So uh, very interesting. Um, and you know, we talked about them a lot last last episode. So, um, but very interesting that both selected the qualifying offer. Yeah. Um, so, like we said, those were expected. Um, one piece of news that we also forgot to mention earlier when we were talking about the GMs and everything is that uh, Theo Epstein has stepped down from his role of president of baseball operations with the Cubs. Um, he used to be the former Red Sox GM, uh, came over to Chicago. Well, it was 10 years ago because he, he's been one of those people that manifests every 10 years a change of scenery, change of jobs. Um, so he finally... It had been rumored that he was going to leave the past couple years, um, but he officially resigned 
um, as of, I think it was what, Thursday, I want to say is what it was, the 19th, I want to say it was his last day, and they appointed his GM, Jed Hoyer, now to the president of baseball operations role on a five-year contract. Um, and Jed Hoyer did come out and say that they are going to kind of not really have a GM spot this year. He's just going to kind of go, and then at, further down the road, they'll address that GM area. Um, and, and same thing with the uh, the Mets as well, I believe. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't think about that. We, we totally forgot <laughs> we about totally, that one. We, we, There's been so much we talked about that is kind of more under the radar than like the pretty much the biggest thing that's happened in the last two weeks. We put off you know and forget about but uh but yeah i mean and you know maybe we, we kind of forgot about it because that was kind of expected i think most people were kind of expecting uh theo to, to step down and um you know he's a big success story with the cubs and with the red Sox. and who knows maybe another team will uh you know bring him on i don't know if he want what he wants to do he might want to hop into another um he might want to hop into another job um he might change they just even talk about it maybe want to try another sport out so we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, um, I I totally forgot about that. Um, but let's kind of let's go ahead and jump back down to the uh, to the rumors kind of section. Uh, oh, actually, another thing that we forgot about. Jeez, we are forgetting a lot. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, actually, two more things. I, I'm just looking at this baseball page and everything. Mike Clevenger. Um, Signed a two-year deal extension with the Padres and is actually undergoing Tommy John surgery. Um, that was a big blow. We had talked about Clevenger a lot during the playoffs if he could stay healthy, and um, you know when it when it came out, it was kind of like, oh, he's going to avoid Tommy John. Just needs the offseason to rest. Everybody thought good, and then out of nowhere, it's like we've signed the Padres' official account and said we've signed him to a two-year extension, and now he's under, undergone Tommy John surgery. Um, so that's going to be a big blow to that Padres uh, rotation and, and maybe kind of gives us a, maybe a little look at might some moves they might do this offseason. Yeah, and uh, you talk about the Mike Clevenger situation and, um, you know, that's the risk in trading a lot of talent for a pitcher. Um, so, you know, they gave up a lot for him. And, um, I mean, obviously, you know, he's going to be one of his two control years remaining is now going to be gone. And then the next year he's going to be coming off a Tommy John surgery. So um, after they gave up all that stuff for him. So um, that uh, that's a bummer for the Padres for sure. Um, I think it's, um, you know, there's a lot of GMs right now. Um, you know, maybe a GM in Atlanta is breathing a sigh of relief. Everyone was talking about, Oh, and, and in, and in New York as well. Uh, everyone talking about, Oh my gosh, you should have traded for, Clevenger, you should have traded for him. It would have been awesome. And then, you know, it looks like that trade's not going to work out super well now. Um, and I think the, the two-year extension was mainly to avoid ARB on both yeah. sides. So um, I think the, both of those years were controlled for ARB anyways. Um, and then um, another uh, another little player thing that we have on a current player that's signed with a team already is uh, another Mets thing. Uh, Robinson Cano, the future, well, until this year, until this news that broke this week, we were expecting to be future Hall of Fame second baseman. But now we don't really know. Um, has been suspended for the entire season for the use of Stanzalol, I believe was the substance, which is a yeah. banned PED substance. And he is now missing the entire 162-game season this year. 
and um, without pay, which is kind of a big deal for the Mets, as you know, that probably frees up a little bit of money. It honestly might be a good thing for the Mets, uh, depending on what they expected to get out of Cano. But um, you know, I, I, I'm that you know that sucks to hear. You don't you don't want to hear any player, that, you know, end up get get in trouble for that. You don't want to hear you don't want to hear that players are using PEDs anymore, and that's that's a bummer. So. Yeah, so if you don't know about Stenzelol, it's a synthetic steroid that is derived from testosterone. Um, it's pretty much a bodybuilding drug. Um, so pretty much he was using it in the offseason to help bulk himself up. Um, yep. So that's pretty much that thing. He had tested positive once for this exact same thing um, earlier this year, actually. Um, or was it this year or last season? It wasn't this year. It was last season then. Um, and, and got an 80-game suspension for that. Um, but a thing to note as well is if we don't know if this is going to be a full season or not. Um, so while he is suspended for 162 games, if this season is shortened at all, that extends to the next yeah, season. I believe um, it's, so. It's not, no, it, uh, yeah, I'm looking at it right here. It's not just suspended for the season. No, he's suspended for 162 games, regular season games. How many ever that is? Like if that yeah. takes three years to do. That's he's going to be suspended for three years. Um, he's signed through 2023 right now at $24 million a year. So he's forfeiting $24 million this year, but he also has another two seasons on his deal after this year. Yikes. Um, so, and those are both at $24 million. Uh, and that's part of the deal he signed back uh, in 2013 with Seattle um, on that. He... He had a, a resurgent year, actually. I mean, he hit 316 this year, 352 on base, uh, 544 uh, slugging. Put up some percentage. Cano numbers. Yeah, he put up vintage Robbie Cano numbers, and everybody thought, well, I mean, that 38, or no, I think he was 39 this year, wasn't he? No, nah, age wise, no. I think he was like 37. I'm not 100% no, yeah, sure. Yeah, he, he was up he in was, the upper 30s, though. He, he was 38 this year. Okay, His, yeah. Uh, so he's 38 this year and has a little bit of a resurgence after he had kind of struggled and, and everything. But that that's that's a big hit, and uh, it's big that the Mets are getting basically 21 million dollars in salary relief as we've because 3.75 of that was supposed to be paid from the Mariners when he got traded over yeah. to the Mets. Um, so yeah, you know that even, even more money Steve Cohen can spend. All right, and and you know that the that that does help the Mets this year, but. Also, that bunny that he's owed next year and the year after, it will still be on the books. So this is more of a one-year type money. So maybe it helps them acquire another rental player. Uh, maybe one of the higher-priced uh, guys that are you know in their last year of arbitration, like maybe a Lindor type. Hint, hint. Um, you know that this might help them with with some of that money situation and not having that take up a lot of a lot of their uh, their payroll. So um, it'll this is an interesting. Um, an interesting development for sure and you know i think for, for as a fan of baseball you know you hate to see a guy with who has had the career that robbie robinson cano had you know I, I don't know if he obviously this is the second time he's been caught with peds so you know it's probably going to derail his hall of fame chances if i had to guess and that you know that's a bummer so for sure um and then just a, a little kind of note to it if he gets caught one more time, he's suspended from the game indefinitely. Yep. Like, like he's suspended forever. Yep. Um, so this is a massive thing. I don't think we've ever had somebody to this level test positive twice. 
I um, think we under, might have had one or two, but not many. And most of them not, have been minor league guys as well. Well, yeah, I'm saying to, to Cano's level, I'm saying that we don't. I don't think we've ever had somebody under this system, especially that is a full season. Right. Um, that is that's a massive, massive development. Yeah, I think the closest thing to it would have been a Rod, but that was a different situation. So yeah. Um. So now that we've kind of got everything that we forgot out of the way, I believe. <laughs> I believe. Don't hold me to that. We might find something else. Um, let's kind of jump over to the rumors kind of tab of this episode. Um, and a rumor that dropped uh, today, actually. Uh, actually, our first two rumors dropped today. Uh, but the first one is that the Braves are pretty aggressive on the Charlie Morton front. Um, we've talked about Charlie Morton before, about maybe retiring, maybe going back to the Rays. You've brought up um, you know, about potentially coming to the Braves before. Um, so it, it's it's pretty cool, or, or at least for you, that uh, you could say that you were kind of right on this track. Yeah, um, I, I felt like from the beginning of free agency that this would come down to uh, the Braves and the Rays. And uh, with some of the rumors we've been hearing out of Tampa, um, you know, the last couple of days that we'll get to we'll get to a big one here in a few minutes. But some of the, some of those rumors, I, I'm starting to think that they're once again for the after a World Series run, they're going to try to cut salary. So that Morton uh, opting, you know, getting the option declined uh, is starting to look like maybe they're not going to bring him back. And, uh, you know, I think he's a perfect fit for what the Braves need. The Braves just need a guy who is a veteran, who's got a lot of postseason experience to come in and stabilize the rotation. Um, you know, as we discussed earlier, they just signed Drew Smiley, but I think that they would love to have Drew Smiley in more of a number five or a swing swing man type role, which I, obviously is a you know I, I think for a guy of his you know with his injury history and everything is is a better option for him. But Morton's still a durable starting pitcher. He's still got good stuff. His curveball's as good as it's been. Uh, his velocity maybe not quite what it has been at times with the when it was with the Astros, but. Um, this is still a guy that I think is capable of. I don't know if he's an ace, but he's still capable of being a sub four ERA pitcher who can throw out there and throw you a lot of innings. And just the biggest thing being that he's going to see would stabilize the rotation. So I think it's a really good idea for the Braves to go after him. And as we've heard from Morton's side, uh, you, you talk about the fact that he wants to stay somewhat near home, which home for him is, uh, you know, Florida and the Braves, Atlanta, it's not far off. So um, I know that Charlie Morton probably would prefer to be in, in Tampa, but, you know, I think that the Braves could lure him from a potential retirement, you know, maybe one of the few teams, the Braves, the Marlins, maybe um, that could do that with the situation that he wants to be in. So um, that, I think it's a good fit. And I think it's a very interesting uh, rumor we've heard today. Yeah. And, and they, like you said, they need somebody that can come in and stabilize that rotation. Um, they got a lot of young guys uh, that we've talked kind of talked about in the playoffs, and we aren't quite sure what is happening with Soroka um, and how he's going to return. So, I mean, getting Smiley or not Smiley, uh, obviously getting Smiley, but yeah. also Morton if you can get him in there, that that just gives you that that pitching depth that we kind of talked that the Braves lacked um, going into the playoffs. Yeah, um, 
and not to mention the fact that that the the Braves this year lost so many pitchers throughout the season, mm-hmm. and the fact that you, you know they could end up you know with some of these rumors we've heard and everything they could end up having five star- really capable starters plus a sixth guy and other guys who are ready to step in. So um, especially with the, with the news of you know a very small nugget that. Um, I, get, I probably wasn't going to mention, but Mike Soroka started throwing again. So he Ooh. was he was throwing long toss today, and they were posting it on Instagram. So um, he it sounded more and more likely. He looks pretty healthy. It sounds more and more likely he'll be ready for the at least very early in the season, if not opening day. So I did, um, not, I did not see that. Yes. So um, so I mean, if the Braves, if you look at you know maybe getting adding Charlie Morton. Plus Drew Smiley, you've got a rotation of, and the next guy we're going to talk about if that's something that ends up happening, um, which we'll get to in a minute. But you can talk about a, a rotation with Max Fried, Mike Soroka, Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, and Drew Smiley as your five in your rotation. And then, not to mention the fact that you still got Kyle Wright out there that's shown flashes of being a potential future star of a pitcher, even though he hasn't been. He's been real inconsistent, having great at times. You also got Bryce Wilson out there, who pitched a phenomenal postseason game. So this is this is a very interesting uh, development for the Braves if they can sign after signing Smiley, and then you know if they can sign Morton or make a big trade, which we might talk about in a minute. So yeah, I was just going to hit on it, saying from one Tampa Bay pitcher that might end up to Atlanta to another Tampa Bay pitcher that might end up in Atlanta. Um, it's came out today that the Tampa Bay Rays have thought or had conversations about trading Blake Snell, um, who they famously have pulled early from the World Series game against LA and he kind of was he let it be known that he was not too happy about that decision. Yeah. Um and kinda of that he hasn't been happy about how they do you know, use the analytics around him when he still feels that he has much more to give. Um but just kind of the first two teams that were kind of mentioned were the Atlanta Braves. Um, and then the other one was the Los Angeles Angels, who are dying for pitching. Um, they they need pitching so bad that I mean this this would be a perfect trade. I don't know what they have to give up for Blake Snell, um, but they if they can somehow pull that off, that's a trade that Perry uh, Manassen definitely needs to make. Manassen, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Blake Snell is a really good pitcher. He's obviously won the Cy Young a couple years ago. Um, he's a guy who, you, you know, he he when he came back last year, he was a little bit rusty. Um, he had he battled some injuries last year, but this this past year he was really good again. And he is a, a guy who could potentially be an ace for whoever wherever he goes now. With the Rays, it was weird with him a little bit because they pulled him early in games very often. And for me, I, I was I wasn't sure if that was because they were afraid of him seeing guys a third time, or if it was a pitch count thing, or if it was a we want to avoid him, you know, further injured getting injured thing because because he has dealt with injuries before. So you know maybe maybe it's one of those things where he's real frustrated that the Rays aren't taking the training wheels off to a certain to a certain level and uh you know he wants to go somewhere else um obviously uh, he's definitely about to jump up and price some i'm sure you know getting into arb um i um you know i think that would be a great i think it's a i think it's a perfect trade for the angels to make because they need they need an ace 
they've had the worst luck with pitching. Some of it, you know, obviously their fault. Some of it, not necessarily their fault. You know, they couldn't have expected Otani to end up getting, you know, being injured on the mound as much as he has. Um, and, you know, they, they've, they've had other, you know, the, the tragic death of Tyler Skaggs and, you know, they have, they've had other guys like Andrew Haney who have been good, but not great. And, um, they've had some bad luck with guys getting injured, uh, past those, um, past those guys too. So I, I, um, I, I think it would be great. And they have a couple pieces they could trade for, for him, but I just don't know. I just don't know, you know, if they would trade their entire farm, I mean, it would be their entire farm system pretty much. And, uh, the Braves still have a lot of guys. I mean, they've got Drew Waters, Pache, um, they would, you know, still Austin Riley, still a guy out there that they might move. He's still a guy that showed a lot of potential. Um, you know, they got a couple of good, they've got two high level catching prospects. Um, you know, the Braves could end up, and plus some of these young pitchers like Kyle Wright, Tuki Toussaint, um, might be something the Rays would really like to look at. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. And, uh, I'm sure there'll be other teams involved in this as it progresses. This is a new rumor as of like yesterday. So. Yeah, it, many, many, uh, many teams will be jumping in on Blake Snell if they have the opportunity to. Oh yeah. Um, speaking of many teams that are going to jump into uh, a potential trade, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the best third baseman in baseball, um, Nolan Arenado, uh, Colorado Rockies third baseman, uh, best defensive player in baseball. Uh, I don't think that is a hot take by any means. Um, He's been very vocal about wanting to win, and Colorado has not won in his career. Um, he's been uh, been a starter for them since 2013. Um, he's a almost a 300 average, 350 on base. In his prime, he's really a 370 on base guy. Um, for sure, 30 home runs every year. And like we said, he's the best defender. Uh, if you hit anything to the left side and you were near third base, you're you're not playing baseball the right way because he's going to, he's going <laughs> to vacuum that thing up and, and you're going to be out. Um, but just p- kind of team, there's been a lot of teams thrown in. Um, the hottest rumors have been around the Dodgers. Um, not sure. I mean, they've been linked to every third baseman with another third baseman. We'll talk about in a minute with trade rumors. Um, obviously still with Justin Turner, the Mets have been linked to him with Steve Cohen. I mean, we've just talked about how much, He'll make a big splash, potentially, maybe a Lindor, maybe Arenado, um, a team that is looking for third basemen with the Washington Nationals after they lost, um, oh, why am I blanking here? Anthony, Anthony Rendon. Rendon, yeah. Yes. MVP candidate Anthony Rendon after they lost him. Um, but there's the interesting why this is coming up now is because Nolan Arenado has an uh, opt-out on his contract after this next season. Um I, and I think he signed, I want to say he has five more years after this year. I think it was five years, $175 million after this year. Yeah, after At least. It was at least that much money. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a big, big contract. So you got to find a team that is willing to take on that contract. Um, but he's said that pretty much he's told Colorado, like, you guys aren't in a position to win. Um, and I I will opt out of my contract next year and go find – or go to the free agent market and sign with whoever I will, and you'll only get a draft pick back. So if you can trade me for something now, it would probably be in your best interest to do that. Um, because also Colorado's shortstop, his his uh, his best friend on the team in Trevor Story, is a free agent next year as well. So they can be losing their entire left side of the infield next year if they don't 
if they don't make some uh, some moves. But uh, it, it's very interesting that we see Arenado kind of pushing for this now. Yeah, um, I, I was I was intrigued as well because I, I assumed when he signed that long term extension in Colorado that you know that's where he wanted to be and he would stay um, he would stay there for a long long time, but uh, you know this rumor popped up just a little bit last year too. Uh, people were talking about trading for Arnado and it's so rare for these trades to happen with this much money involved. Um, and I'll, although Arnado is a one year rental possibly as a player because of the opt-out, I have to think that a team would be trading for his full contract because I expect if he goes somewhere that's more of a winning situation that there's a pretty good chance he opts into his contract because I think his contract is pretty close to what his value is worth. Um, the one thing that does worry me a little bit about Arnado is that he wasn't quite as good this year as he has been at, at the plate. Now, this is also a guy who has a ton of success defensively um, I mean, he's had, I believe I looked it up a minute ago and I already forgot. I think it was 120 defensive runs saved in his career. Uh, yes, 120 defensive runs saved in his career, which is just an absolutely crazy number. Um, and he's also been worth over 30 wins above replacement already in his career, but his bat, what quite as good this year, he only had a 74 WRC plus. So, uh, now, you know, will that bat get better um probably i mean he's had a track record of being a good hitter but he's also had a track record of having played in cores for his whole career too so it is it's one of those things where it is is it worth giving up as much as giving getting arnado would take plus paying in that salary and um uh, i mean i think there's a lot of times a lot of teams that could um you know, I definitely think I'm thinking kind of the higher payroll teams on this because I think this this trade would be a lot riskier than people are are thinking it would be. I think a lot of people are ex- thinking Arnado is safely, you know, going to be a elite All Star level player, you know, going forward for a long time. And there's a very very good chance he is because right now he's a great player. And I'm not going to let a 60 game season keep me from thinking that he is. But I think it's going to be a team that trades for him is one that's going to have a lot, you know, more financial flexibility uh, you know at their payroll like la having so much of a had such, such a high payroll or maybe the the mets if they're jacking up their payroll and uh people have had him rumored to the nats which the nats typically have a high payroll but i don't know if it's quite as much uh, and, and one other player I, I might throw in there as a just kind of a interesting suggestion um uh, in, in this negotiation would be the red Sox. they're gonna have a they're gonna start to have some payroll open up soon and, um, you know, maybe the Red Sox would be an interesting team trying to rebuild a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Devers is a long-term third baseman. So that might be an interesting one, too. Yeah, well, also the thing with, is Aaron Otto battled a bad shoulder injury this year. Yes. Um, that that really zapped his power, like we were talking about, and, and made it really uncomfortable for him to swing. So that's just a little tidbit of kind of maybe why he had a down year. Um, but there is a factor of that he has played in Coors. Um, and if they're, if you don't understand what the Coors Field effect is, um, there's a great interview out there um, with Trevor Bauer on his YouTube channel with Charlie Charlie Blackman. They have a big sit down. He talks about how there's a ball if you hit in Coors that it's ten rows deep, but if you go to any other ballpark, it doesn't even hit the warning track. Um, and jumping back and forth between those two parks, he said by the time you're getting adjusted to one, you're already playing back in the other. Um, so it's it's the difference of two swings. Uh, so it, it, and it really does inflate the offensive numbers uh, quite a bit. So 
it's yeah. just interesting to bit if you don't know about Coors that maybe it can get you another kind of glance at why we're talking yeah. about that as a thing. Yeah, and you go back and think about some of the trades that have been made from for, for guys from the Rockies. I mean, um, look at uh, look at Troy Tulowitzki. I mean, he was still really good with the Rockies, and then immediately after he gets traded, now he battled injuries his whole career, and after he got traded, he battled injuries as well. But he just wasn't the same guy somewhere else. I mean, it's interesting to think about the Arnado situation, and and I think the biggest risk here is the fact that if he comes out next year, say say the say the Mets trade or the the Mets trade for him. And he plays really good for the Mets, but the Mets aren't a, you know, they maybe make the playoffs or something as a wild card or, or, uh, or something. The Mets give up a lot for him and he leaves after one year. But if he doesn't play well, if he plays more like he did this year, he opts back into that contract. And now you've got a $200 million contract for the next five years that, you know, you're kind of stuck with for a guy who's underperforming it. So he's either going to overperform for you for, or, or perform at his, you know, current level for one year, or he's going to underperform for you for five years. That's a lot of money to tie up in it. It's a, it's a big risk, I think. Although, you know, like you said, you know, Arenado is a guy who is a, 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 a potentially elite third baseman that has been an elite third baseman for a long time. And if his bat plays outside of course, well, I mean, there's no reason to think he wouldn't continue to be at, at, at that point. So. Yeah, he's a potential MVP candidate. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, he's he's put up he's put up elite. No, he's put up six wins above replacement three or four times. So he's he's yeah. a really good he's an elite player. Well, jumping from an MVP candidate third baseman to an MVP third baseman, um, that has been in trade rumors this year, uh, actually the past couple years really. That's Chris Bryant, um, from the Chicago Cubs. He's been involved in trade rumors for the past couple seasons. Uh, he was going undergoing a uh, dispute with the team about service time and uh, service time manipulation, I should say, and how many years he would be a free agent. Um, and it came out that you know he, he was potentially being traded off last off season, but teams didn't know if they were trading for two years or one year, and that really didn't get solved until about spring training time. Um, so it really pushed to where he was a two-year deal. Um, but then he really struggled with injuries last year as well. He had a shoulder issue. He had a wrist injury uh, issue. Um, and so now we're here this offseason, and the Cubs have kind of said, okay, well, we're kind of ready to retool and or maybe hit the rebuild button, um, and we're going to shed some maybe some salary. And I've, he, they said that Chris Bryant's name came right back up to the top. Um, the Nationals have been the main team that have been speculated around Chris Bryant. Um, this is a guy who uh, has won an MVP, uh, but he's not just a third baseman. He can also play the outfield at a very a decent level. Um, you don't lose too much by putting him out there. Um, but but you're really taking a risk on which Chris Bryant are you going to get. Are you going to get the MVP level Chris Bryant, or are you going to get the Chris Bryant that's battle injuries and not really shown up to uh, shown up to the plate the last couple years? Yeah, this is an interesting one as well. My my big thing with Chris Bryant is that I think the Cubs should wait till the deadline to move him. And typically, I would prefer if you know for for a team to move somebody in the off season. But if Chris Bryant proves in the first half that he's healthy and is at the MVP level that he can play at, I think you'll actually get more for him at the deadline than you would you know trading him in the off season right now. So, uh, but. And there's also the thought that the Cubs, this might be their last go-round with their current core, with with Baez, Schwarber, Bryant, Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, all these guys. This is this might be their last go-round. So, you know, if you're the Cubs, I, I don't think it changes too much 
you know, between what you get for him now and what you would get for him at the deadline, if he's, you know, you kind of look at, you kind of look at a situation where you maybe, maybe you want to, maybe you wait till so he can prove himself. And then if you're in it, you can supplement your team and try to win another world series. Or if you're out of it, this is kind of your last year of, of being fully in contention or of with your current core, at least. So then you maybe move him at the deadline um, for the Nats. I mean, I don't know if I'd be going after one year rentals. If I was the Nats, I, I really don't know with the current state of the NL East. I think the Braves are going to be really good again. I think the Phillies are, are going to be pretty good. I think the, you know, the, I think the Mets are going to be a little bit better. Um, even the Marlins played, you know, obviously this year made the playoffs and I don't think the Marlins will make the playoffs next year, but you know, they're, they're at least more formidable than they have been. I really would be very, very surprised if the Nats were able to would piece together some kind of really good team this year. Um, you know, Scherzer's aging some. He hasn't quite been as good as Scherzer we come to expect. Um, you know, Strasburg's battle injuries again, and Patrick Corbin wasn't very good this past year. Uh, obviously, Soto's still killing it, but, um, you know, your lineup's got a lot of question marks. And obviously Bryant would fill one of those question marks, but I don't know. I, I think if you're the Nets, it, 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 they're kind of at a crossroads between maybe a rebuild and trying to go for it again and rebuilding their, you know, or just building up their roster and veterans. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, and I, I don't, that, that would be a weird match to me too, with the pieces the Nats could give up, maybe Victor Robles or something. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a name that I've seen thrown around as well as Victor. Yeah. Robles, so, um, but I'm, I'm just happy we're starting to get some rumors flying. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, well, let's go ahead and jump over. We had a couple players recently switch agents. Um, Marcelo Zuna, I believe he was a Scott Boris client, but don't hold me to that. Um, he is now signed with CAA, um, who they have they have quite a bit of uh, high-profile uh, MLB talent. Um, the Mets have shown interest, the Braves have showed interest, uh, and the Braves have dealt with CAA quite a bit. Um, their big offseason signing last year, Will Smith, their closer or reliever, I mean, they used him in both roles, Yeah. Um, was a CAA client or is a CAA client. Um, it, it's, it's very rare that you see a guy who's in the market change agencies. And usually you see that, you know, a year before or a year after they sign a deal. Um Maybe he wasn't happy with the off-season progress that, or off-season that they had last year, waiting so long to get a deal, and then, um, you know, what was kind of going on this year. But that was one, um, which we'll we'll hit on both of these, and then come back to the analysis of it. Um, Yasiel Puig uh, has just—I I don't know who his old agency was. I believe he's had a lot of trouble with agencies before, but he is signed to uh, Luba Sports, which is Rachel Luba, who is Trevor Bauer's agent. Um, that news kind of broke just as we were starting to record, um, so not much that we have behind that. Um, but Luba is an up-and-coming agent. Uh, she's recently signed Carlos Gonzalez, who's a veteran more, um, basically really known for Trevor Bauer. Um, but Yasiel Puig is now her next client, um, and he's been out. Of, he didn't even get a deal this last off-season, um, and went unsigned. Well, he he uh, did he did get that deal with the Braves, but then he got oh, he had COVID. Yeah, he got so he got it got canceled. Yeah, and then nobody signed him. Yeah. Um, so it's, but that, that even that deal with the Braves, it was into training camp, wasn't it? I mean, it was. Or yeah, even the it was. It was only a couple of weeks. It was after Marcakis had said he was going to opt out of the season, and then 
they yeah. signed Puig, and Puig had you know they they had his physical or whatever, and he tested positive for COVID. So they then the, that contract was voided by by the positive test, and then Marcakis changed his mind and opted back in. And so the Braves never went back after Puig, which I don't know if they would have anyways. But uh, but that was kind of the big uh, the big deal there. And I mean, I, I I would have still signed Puig at some point if I was a team. I mean, I think it would have been a low risk signing at least. But um, it'll be interesting to see what he does this off season. And I'm sure he'll end up playing somewhere next year. Um, and the Ozuna thing is interesting, like you said. Um, he um, switch switching to that CAA. Obviously, the Braves. Uh, are interested in bringing him back. He was really good this year. So um, there's been talk about the Braves altering him, offering him a multi-year extension. Um, and uh, like you said, they've worked with uh, CAA in the past, Alex Anthopoulos signing uh, Will Smith last year to a three-year, $40 million deal. So, And that's really the only big multi-year deal Anthopoulos has signed other than a couple two-year deals that had an option. So... Um, and the Mets being interested in Ozuna, there's no surprise to me there. They're going to be, the Mets are going to be rumored to be interested in every single player this offseason because of the fact that they're going to be, uh, because of their new ownership. So, um, but I, you know, I don't know if, I don't, I don't know what the outcome there is going to be. I expect Ozuna to be back in Atlanta next year as, you know, I believe that he, I believe that the fit that he had with the clubhouse is really going to help. And I think the Braves really like him, so. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, Absolutely. I as as a Dodger fan, I really hope Puig gets a deal somewhere. Um, that's a guy I always like. Uh, yeah, no, I think me. he I think he will. I, he'll get a deal somewhere. I don't know where it'll be. It, I, I expect it to be a major league deal. Um, um, who knows? But it's it's so hard to say. This is such a weird off season, and he'd be a he's going to be a risky guy because he didn't play last year. You know, he'd been a little inconsistent before last year. I think. You know, honestly, I think a very interesting place for him to look at would be the Indians because he would possibly be a real cheap deal and the Indians need outfield help so bad. But I don't know if that, I don't know if that relationship has been burned or not. So, yeah, we'll see. He's also battling a little bit of legal issues. Um, we don't want to comment too much on what's happening yeah. until we know more information, but he's also battling some of those. So who knows? It could be a long off season, but. Uh, for him to sign with the agent that is, uh, you know, as up and coming as as Rachel Luba, it's it's a good sign for him. Um, yeah, for sure. Not many established agents would take that risk, but she's she's one that is very outgoing and and willing to take on clients that, you know, don't really have the greatest reputation. Yeah. Um, she does a great job with it. Uh, but one one little last kind of rumor we had was uh, I'm gonna butcher the name, so I'm sorry for if I offend anyone here but i believe it's kohei arahara um he is i believe he plays in the npb is that right i think it was the korean the korean okay yeah i think he's uh, korean league kbo the kbo okay so he plays in the kbo um he's a pitcher uh, he's supposed to be posted this year um he, I think he did get posted earlier today did he get posted or did i believe so supposed to be I believe he did, but I'm not 100% sure. Look, I have it right here. Uh, will be posted. So he hasn't okay. been posted yet. Um, he was uh, he was a candidate for what their equivalent of a Cy Young Award would be. Um, and he did play in the NPB. So that is the... Oh, okay. That's uh, my bad. 
the other one. That's Japan. I, yeah, that's Japan. I forgot what the actual NPB stands for. It's um, Nippon, Nippon Professional Baseball. <laughs> well, there you go. Yep. <laughs> the more you know, right? <laughs> the more you know. If anybody out there needed to know that information, there you go. Um, he went 8-9 and nine, um, this year with a 346 ERA in 132 innings. Um, you know, walked 30, gave up 106 strikeouts. We really don't know much about what his pitches uh, really look like. I mean, most most Asian pitchers come over with some form of a splitter, a changeup, usually three different kinds of fastballs, you know, four-seam, two-seam, cutter. Um, they don't usually throw curveballs much. Um, I haven't heard – or no, they don't usually throw sliders. Um, but I haven't heard exactly kind of what pitches he has and, and – kind of his velocities and stuff. So he's a very unknown guy. Honestly, I hadn't heard about him until they had talked about that he'll be posted. Uh, so I will definitely be looking into him a little bit more and kind of trying to watch some film and, and see who he is. He's a 28-year-old um, who's been – looks to be very durable um, from what you see. He always throws constantly around 120, 130 innings, which in, in that league they don't pitch the same as the major leagues. They only pitch once a week. Um, so right. that many. And, and I believe they have a smaller baseball as well yeah. or something. Yeah. So yeah. some some of the numbers and, and everything, you know, maybe you could take a little bit of a grain of salt. Obviously, the, nobody's going to be signed into the Major League Baseball out of out of the NPB if they're got bad numbers. But I mean, he obviously had pretty good numbers and um you know, maybe some of the strikeout to walk type stuff. It's a little different. Uh home run ball obviously would be a little bit different. So, uh, it, I mean, he seems like a guy who, just based off of looking at his and not knowing much about him, looking at his stats, he looks like a guy who maybe could jump into a major league rotation to be a number five starter or something, um, or at least, uh, at least you know, at some point this season, maybe a bullpen guy too. But um, I think he's a guy who uh, he would be he would be interesting for a lot of teams, I believe. Yeah, and in not most of these times, these guys coming over now aren't they really aren't getting big deals. Um, yeah, and, and you're not gonna see him get like like we we have had some guys in the past that have been so hyped like Tanaka, you Darvish, Otani, but this mm-hmm. isn't gonna be one of those situations. No. So. So I mean, I would look at maybe you know two to three year deal. I mean, what probably the twenty five million dollar range. I mean, if it's a three year deal. Um, yeah. We've seen, like Shun Yamaguchi last year, I think he got like a two year six million dollar deal from the Blue Jays or something. I mean. These guys aren't coming over and getting massive contracts, so it's it might be on the lower spectrum, yeah. but kind of with rumors flying, it's one that we want to throw out there to you guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that's pretty much everything that we have on this episode. I know we were kind of all over the place, <laughs> um, finding new things. Yeah. And, and that's really, that. like I said, that goes back to me um, just being sick and everything and kind of throwing us all off. Um, I really didn't. Usually, I'm good about putting stuff in my notes to to keep memorized, and I honestly, I was just like, "Oh, that happened," and just fell back to sleep or something. So, thank you guys for for staying with us this episode. Uh, you got any of the last hits you want to say, Matt? Yeah, just a couple final final thoughts. Um, you know, I think um, we've talked a lot about this off season. I think this is going to be an off season where contenders have a lot of uh, potential to bring in guys to supplement. But I don't really think this is going to be an off season where you see a deal maybe like the Padres had a couple years ago with Manny Machado, where a team is able to sign a big contract to, to build around. Uh, 
you know, we've talked a little, we talked a little bit before the show about maybe the Mets signing a big player to build a team around where, you know, maybe, maybe that would be more of a next year thing to do. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's, uh, good that things are moving along a little bit finally, and, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, and, and one other thing is a shout out to the award winners. Um, uh, you had the Cy Young winners, Freddie Free. I mean, the Cy Young winners were Trevor Bauer, Shane Bieber, no surprises. The, the MVP winners were Freddie Freeman and, uh, a little bit surprisingly Jose Abreu, which, but Jose Abreu had a great season and we're, uh, while that was a little bit of a surprise, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty great that, these guys are getting recognized for having such great seasons. So um, it's been a, it's been, it was a fun season and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we get some uh, more, uh, maybe we get a trade this week. We'll see. You never know. Hopefully. I mean, rumors are starting to fly. The rumors are flying a lot more than they had been. So that's, that's a very good, great, very good thing. If you listen to uh, MLB radio, like I do, there's a, a big trade that could happen by Christmas, supposedly. All right. Uh, let's let's we'll, hope that. Probably not going to happen, but yeah, uh, the well, guy can wish. You never right? know. A month, it's a month a month off still, so. Who knows? But, but thank you guys for their, for joining and listening to this episode. As always, you can find us on Twitter at the Batfoot Podcast. Um, my at is the Real D Boy Twelve. Matt's is at Matt Arcara. Um, and just any feedback you guys want to do, uh, you guys want to like, rate this episode, kind of help us get out there more to to more people so they can hear how uh, uncoordinated and how unprepared we are that would be amazing <laughs> hey, that's, we've been uh, we've been doing really good with our prep until this week with your being sick and yeah. my being real busy and i was out of town part of the week so it was um you know i kind of didn't get get to get a chance to record or, or really look at too much until yesterday so um we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll put this one chalk this one up to just some uh things that have uh things that happened yeah, things that happen for sure. I don't even think I. I don't even think when I opened, I said what episode this was. I don't so know. that's that's how uh, that's how wild we are. But <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm I'm still still letting the antibiotics get uh, work with me. So I hear you. Anyways, for the third time, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Batflip Podcast, <laughs> and we will catch you guys next week. All right, later, everybody.